Welcome back to the Noel Kassler podcast. This is episode 16. We're glad you are listening. We appreciate all the support. And once again, I'm back here with my main man, Jimmy Kennedy, to break down the week's events. How you doing today, Jimmy? Great, Noel. Thanks, uh, as always, for having me, buddy. I'm about 20 minutes away from uh, Mike Pence now. He's back home again in Indiana. He's got a crib that's worthy of like MTV Cribs, man, over 10,000 square feet. <laughs> 10,000 square feet. Yeah, so it's got a uh, in-ground pool and an indoor basketball court. You know that that's as Indiana as it gets, and it's about twenty minutes outside of where uh, there's a golf course that has previously hosted like the BMW Championship and hosted the uh, the PGA Championship in the '90s when John Daly won the championship there. So very, uh, you know, I live in a pretty upscale neighborhood north of Indianapolis, and that's where Mike is now. Wow. Well, the boys are back in town then. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look what doing the bare minimum gets you. Mike shows up for four years and he gets a multi-million dollar home. So. Corruption pays, baby, you know? <laughs> His brother gets to go to Congress and vote against any sort of, you know, investigation into January 6th. I mean, and, you know, you were talking about it this week that Joe Biden wants to just move on a little bit from what, what went on with the six and also Trump's meeting with uh, Putin at G7 last time. Yeah, that really got under my uh, skin. You know, one of the Democratic leaders that sat on that committee, I guess the Foreign Affairs Committee, I can't think of his name right now, but he had been pursuing the minutes from, from that meeting in Helsinki in, in July of 2018. And he just gave up this week. He said, yeah, we're no longer pursuing getting this information. Biden wants to move on. You know, and I don't know if that was a directive from Biden himself, but I think it's just sort of the general mood in the air and they have other, you know, other irons in the fire, so to speak. But like, that's right. not something we want to let Trump get away with. Of anything that bothered me when he was president, it was his relationship with Vladimir Putin, because I saw firsthand that he was dealing with the Russian mob in Trump Tower. I mean, the, the celebrity apprentice after parties were like all Russian mobsters. We shot it at the end of May in New York City, right? These dudes would show up in their SUVs with their like 25-year-old girlfriends in like fur, you know, like wearing fur coats and stuff. And then you'd go to the after party. We had one at Trump Tower, Trump Soho, actually, one year when we taped it at Skirball, which is a place down at NYU. And Felix Sater worked for Trump at the time. And Felix Sater would like work the after party. And it was literally like all these Russian businessmen, you know, and mm -hmm. tough looking guys. Felix would just walk around the room making introductions between Ivanka and Jared. And, and, I, and at, at this time, like I didn't care there was nobody had a crystal ball thinking this guy was ever going to be president he was just the guy who chose brett michaels over like the completely qualified african-american woman <laughs> you know? he was just like the racist buffoon who snorted his adderall and you know asked you what his daughter was wearing when she arrived you know but their entanglements with the russians are legion now and now it's all been documented so it surprises me they wouldn't want the meetings of that or the minutes from that meeting and if you remember when he was leaving for that event the press stopped him it was one of those chopper talks and they were like you know what are you and putin gonna talk about and he's like it's none of your business what i talk about <laughs> it's like no it is our business dude it's exactly our business <laughs> you're sitting there representing the free world against our greatest adversary then he has the meeting takes right. the minutes from the interpreter when it ends everybody who know, follows me knows what my opinion is on that i think putin pulled out a laptop you know, or an iPad and said, look, 
Remember this? Remember Maria? Remember Svetlana? Remember, you know, all these women and girls that Trump had abused for decades in the brothels that he allowed to move into Trump Tower. And they basically gave him a frequent flyer pass to, you know, and the dumbass would go up there or go downstairs rather because he's at the top of the building, you know help himself to the trafficked human beings and abuse them with impunity. And he's dumb enough to not realize that Putin would have been taping him because he taped everybody else. And he's that dumb to like think like he's going to get away with it because he's in business with these guys. So I literally honestly think that that's what Putin showed him because when he walked out of that room, he was a beaten man. He was ashen, you know, and I've been around <laughs> obviously he walks around with his chest pumped out all the time you know he looks like a drunken minotaur or something most of the time you know a drunken centaur they all have that weird thing where they push their chests forward like the suns do it you know they, <laughs> it's like s curve in their back it's like the how the trump men stand they're taught mm -hmm. that from when they're little kids this is how a trump stands you know and when he came out of that meeting he he was slumped over he was down to putin's height putin's five seven Trump is six foot and he wears shoe lifts that make him six, four. So he can lie about it, but he, he's not five, seven. And he was that day and he was ashen. And he came out in front of the world press and said, I believe what Vladimir, you know, told me that they didn't interfere in the election. And you can see Putin smirking. Putin's just like this dumb son of a bitch, you know? And I think he made him say it. I think he was like, you're going to say this or else, you know? And it's not a P tape. Trump is a violent man. He's a sadistic, violent man. You know, he ripped out his own wife's hair, like, and raped her, like the mother of his children. The guy's capable of really gnarly, really mean things. And of all the stuff he's gotten away with, I just said the Russia stuff bugs me. That really bugs me. The fact that he was a sexual predator for decades in New York City, and it was no secret but his name was on the side of the building and he was a wealthy white man and nobody wanted to ruffle feathers. They still don't. You still don't hear people talking about it the way they should. You had a 13-year-old girl accuse him of beating her up and raping her on multiple occasions to the point she told the madam, don't send me with him anymore. He's too rough because that's who Trump is. He's abusive. You see him when he was in press conferences with women. So the fact that our national press didn't have the stomach to chase that down is going to haunt our nation in our consciousness. Someday we will come to terms with that. Someday the truth on him will come out and it's going to bug people when they hear it. I saw that Hillary Clinton did an interview on Morning Joe this week and she was talking about when she had dealt with Putin that he had kept the rest of the global leaders waiting you know, for 45 minutes. And I'm like, well, there, there's a Trump tactic right there that he would utilize. But you know, going back to um, what happened at the G7 with Trump and Putin, you know, if one of the reasons why they're not pursuing this further is that they don't want to piss off MAGA and, and his followers, that's part of their brand, isn't it? Just being angry about everything. I mean, at this point, how do you hold anyone accountable for anything if you don't try to pursue this? Well, yeah, exactly. And you're not, it's not like you're going to win over the MAGA supporters, you know, and right. by the way, Trump always keeps everybody waiting. As you mentioned, he never kept Putin waiting. He was early for Putin and Putin mm. kept him waiting and Trump didn't mind, which is so telling of their relationship because everybody in his life, he kept waiting. But anyway, so that's where it is. You know, he gets away with everything. You know, that, that that's the deal. With yeah. Everybody's like, justice is coming. It's like he turned 75 on Monday. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. Justice isn't coming. Okay. Justice sailed away a long time ago. The guy was a money launderer who got to become president of the United States after bankrupting casinos, you know, after <laughs> a, like after failing in over 50 businesses with his name on them from stakes to water to escort agencies. The guy already got away with it. Yes, he may end up going to trial for financial things. They'll probably just go after the company. He'll hire big lawyers. He'll tie it up in the courts. He's not doing some satisfying perp walk. And even if he does, he's a former president of the United States. Okay. He's not going to be on cell block D getting his ass kicked <laughs> by the other inmates. Okay. I promise you that. You know, we saw that story a few years ago. I, there's been so many things that have happened since then, but like the uh, college admissions scandal where Becky from Full House went to prison, you know, I feel like it would be something like that. You know, it would just be, even if he did go to prison, it would be the country club of, of prisons. Yeah. You know, prison is prison though. Um, are, well, it's not, that's not true. You know, there are some rough, my mom went to prison. My mom was in one of those country clubs. They call it Camp Cupcake. The same prison Martha Stewart went to. My mom was there like well before Martha Stewart, but okay. uh, there, you know, it's still prison. And that was, uh, you know, that's Alderson, West Virginia. So it's not, uh, it's not a rough and tumble place, but you know, you're still losing your freedom. But yeah, he'd be in a country. Club. He's a former president. Like they're not sending him to prison. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just ain't happening. If they had an appetite to send him to prison, they would have gone after. The sex crimes, you know, they would have gone after the vice crimes. They'd go after, they'd look at his drug use. You know, Ronnie Jackson today just called for Biden to have a mental health check, okay? <laughs> because he's not all there. Ronnie Jackson is about as disgraced a human being as you could get. He's the guy who said Donald Trump was the healthiest male he'd ever seen who had lived to 200 if he only ate better. You know, <laughs> Ronnie Jackson was known as the candy man around the White House. He would go on the White House flights and hand out Ativan, which is like, it's a benzodiazepine. It'll get you high, baby. You know, like he would get drunk and be an asshole to female subordinates like the guy's a lush. But what happens? He has to leave the White House because of all this stuff, because Trump tried mm -hmm. to make him like the Surgeon General or something. It was it was another appointment, but Trump tried to give him some big appointment and they wouldn't let him have it. So uh, he, he sort of had to like leave the White House when all this scandal comes up and then he fails upward. He becomes a congressman. And from where? Texas. <laughs> And let's talk about Texas for a minute. Yeah. Every time I bring up Texas, a lot of my replies, people are like, stop talking about Texas. We have Democrats here. No shit. Ann Richards <laughs> from Texas. Lloyd Benson. A lot of my heroes are from Texas. LBJ. Not to mention all my favorite songwriters and Larry McMurtry, who died this summer, who's my all-time favorite author. I love Texas. I love Texas culture. From Guy Clark to Steve Earle to Towns Van Zandt to the food. I've been a Texas a ton of times. I love Texas. Y'all are messing up when it comes to politics. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of Democrats there, but your two senators are lunatics. Okay. You're giving us Ted Cruz. You're giving us Governor Abbott, who's trying to build his own wall now on the border of Texas. <laughs> so I understand your frustration. I do political satire. Okay. My tweets are political commentary. They can't take in all points of view all the time in 280 characters, okay? So when I slam on Texas, I'm trying to draw attention to the larger issue of how bad Texas is messing up. And you guys have drive-by and 
mass shootings on a weekly basis now. You had one on Saturday night. Somebody told me like not to mess with Texas last week. That's it. Don't mess with Texas is the theme, but don't ever talk about us on Twitter because we'll get too sensitive. It's like, no, stop it. It's your governor. You know, you had the Democrats stood up to the Texas legislator two weeks ago when they tried to pass yet another voter restriction bill, which they're going to get away with next time they're in session. They just couldn't get a quorum that day because these guys showed up. These Democrats bravely showed up on Memorial Day weekend and stopped it. But that bill will go through. Texas will be one of the hardest places to vote in the country, you know, and you get these macho, toxic, you know, Dan Crenshaw. Like, are you kidding me? You know, they fall for cartoon characters and they got Beto O'Rourke. Like they have good choices. Beto should run for governor, but they're going to make damn sure well, like he can't get elected. Okay. So Texas has been hijacked by these like evil little white men, Ted Cruz being at the top of that list. You know, the guy put out a video this week when he's saluting the flag and pledging allegiance. Ted Cruz is the definition of unpatriotic. You know, he's a cynical white man who went to Harvard, who who gets a bunch of rubes to believe in him because he fries a piece of bacon on his AR-15. Okay. As soon as the, you know, it, the temperature dropped below 60, he was on a plane to to vacation in Mexico this winter. And then he called in the police to help get him off the plane back to his car because he was so scared of the press. Okay. That's not a macho man. That's not a patriot. That's somebody who's waving a flag because he thinks you guys have bought this bullshit dogma that you've been taught your whole lives that a pickup truck and American flag and a fucking gun on your holster makes you a man. It doesn't. Okay. Stop with the bullet. Stop with the gun. It's not rugged individualism. It's idiocy. So people in Texas need to stop this because we're tired of dealing with it. You know, and it's not just Texas, it's Florida that's now sending their police to Texas. But I get tired of people like, don't talk about us. There's good people here. Yeah, no shit. There's good people everywhere. And good people are dying and good people are losing their right to vote. And good people are losing their children and wives and spouses in mass shootings every day. So don't worry about getting offended. Make it stop. You know, surround your state house and get Governor Abbott out of there. You know, mm-hmm. don't stand for this. Don't let Ted Cruz represent you, you know? Well, and the most disappointing thing about it, I mean, I remember pretty soon after uh, Biden was inaugurated, you know, they had the whole crisis at the border thing. You know, they have to create a new crisis once any kind of stability arrives uh, in the White House. And Ted Cruz was leading the charge in the army boat looking like, Fidel Castro and his uh, green getup that he had. And there was a time when he called Trump a pathological liar, you know, and said to vote your conscience at the 2016 RNC. And don't think I forgot, Ted, that you called a basketball goal a basketball ring. Okay, it's one thing to say that anywhere across the United States, but it's another thing to say it in Indiana. And that's just plain embarrassing, my friend. You embarrass yourself in a basketball state and it still bothers us as a Hoosier. So, you know, uh, Ann Richards, a friend of mine, used to work for Governor Ann Richards, and she was just one of the greats of all time. And she used to call George W. Bush shrub. That was her nickname, <laughs> right? But when, when he was campaigning, and I like him now, obviously, his, you know, his administration was a disaster. But Trump was such a dumpster fire that it made me look fondly on George W. Bush, you know, which I never thought would have happened 20 years ago. But here we are. So I don't think he's a bad man. I think he was a, not the, the sharpest tool in the shed. And Dick Cheney, he was no match for Darth Vader, right? But he was a good guy at heart. He certainly was nothing like uh, Donald Trump. But anyway, when he was running for governor, Governor
governor of Texas, he was involved in like an outdoor debate with another Republican candidate. And it was on somebody's cattle farm, right? And he had to, you know, a ranch and he had to get out of there. And somebody gave him directions like, how do I get out of here? And they're like, oh, you go down this dirt road, make a left. When you get to the cattle guard, you, you make another right and you'll be on the highway. And he goes, okay, what kind of uniform is the cattle guard wearing? <laughs> cattle guard yeah. is a fence, you know, that cattle can't walk across. Right. It's like in the ground and their hooves get stuck in it, you know? That's almost charming in comparison to like, that's, that's almost cute. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> it, it, this is a funny thing that always stuck in my head. Now, what, yeah. what kind of uniform would the cattle guard be wearing? But anyway, so I love Texas, but my point is people are real sensitive. You know, they don't want to take responsibility for what happened. And as long as I've been speaking out on Twitter, I've come across this because I'll say it's us because we're all in this together. We're all Americans, you know, and Trump divided us. Right. And that's, because that played to his advantage. A divided house will not stand, and his job is to break us and destroy this place. And we have to realize we're all in this together. So we all allowed Trump to be president. You know, and when I say that, like we let him get away with this, people will be like, we didn't. I voted against him. I'm part of the resistance. Okay, you have a hashtag in your Twitter handle. Okay. <laughs> he still got to do what he wanted to do for four years, flew off to his golf club after attacking the Capitol, and he's still walking free. So that's on all of us. We did let him get away with it because we all live under this thing that I'm always talking about, where these wealthy white men sort of are seen as our rulers. And we just listen to what they do and say and, and somehow don't hold them accountable. We find it real easy in this country to lock up a 15 year old black kid because somebody said he might have stolen a, you know, a backpack and thrown him on Rikers Island for three years in solitary confinement. And like we were saying, oh, you're right. All prisons aren't <laughs> created equal. That's hell on earth. You right. know, that, they have a barge right now in the East River that they're keeping people on. It's a, a, a barge, a big boat, and it's just walled in with metal and steel. And these people are in there in like a hundred degree heat. It's a nightmare. Texas is a nightmare. Your prisons in Texas are a national disgrace. John Oliver, you know, one of my heroes, um, did a- Yeah, he just did a piece on that, didn't he? Yeah. And the Texas people are like, well, we don't want to make them too comfortable. You don't cook them alive. And that's what you're doing. So it's that attitude, like stop that because that you're living in a state where that's coming from. And you can't just say, well, I didn't vote. No, you're, those are your friends and neighbors. Those are, you know, somehow human beings are being raised in this country to think that racism is OK, to think it's OK to cook people alive because you're calling them criminals and you're locking them up. You know, and most of those people sat before judges in Texas that were imminently corrupt. You know, Goober Pyle or whatever the hell his name is. Who's, <laughs> who's, the, who's the Gobert, right? Louis Gobert, uh -huh, right. judge, Gomert, whatever, right? He was a Texas judge. How many innocent people <laughs> do you think that guy sent to jail? Okay. No put on his glasses. Well, You're black. All right, go, you know, and then they send you to jail. It's 150 degrees inside of a cell block, literally. So they're torturing people. You know, and, and they're creating a climate that is going to keep feeding this insanity. It's going to keep feeding the QAnon. When I spoke out about QAnon hosting a thing in Dallas, some lady started this like DM with me, like, where does it say it was in Dallas? I sent you the article. You know, I sent you the article. Well, where does it say that the city signed off? It doesn't matter. It was the <laughs> Omni in Dallas. It happened in Dallas. You know, she wanted to do everything to not own the situation and still defend her state because she didn't believe in what was going on in it. And that's fine, but it's still happening 
and in your backyard. So you have to take responsibility for it. Just like we all have to take responsibility for what happened in this country. Just like we're all now finally taking responsibility as a nation and we're having some visibility. Tomorrow's Juneteenth, you know, and it's finally a federal holiday. Wonderful. You know, 150 years too late. You know, but it's finally being recognized. I mean, it boggles your mind that we're waiting this long, that it's 2021 and it's just now a federal holiday and people are still against it. The Republicans were like, well, that's too confusing because we already have the 4th of July. You know what? If you wanted Trump diaper day, it would be a holiday. You know, (laughs) Trump said he would have been having holidays for himself if he stayed on. He would have been like, it's Ivanka day and then it's Eric day. Well, and uh, you brought up the problem of like prisons and, and the heat. It, it reminded me of when um, Sheriff Arpaio, wasn't that the guy? He was from uh, Arizona. Arizona, right? Maricopa and, County. He ran, and he ran a similar kind of system where he would feed prisoners like rotten food and force them to wear pink clothes. You know, like it's a uh, cruel and unusual punishment Absolutely. that was handed out. Yeah, and he made him sleep outside in the desert, you know, in tents. Mm-hmm. I know people who are actually ended up in his in his jails, but um, and he was a big Trump guy, right? Trump would do all his support against the guy, and you know, there was Trump loves that cruelty is the point. That's the theme, and people buy into that. You know, they think, oh, that's justice. You know, we're going to be tough, and and we're not, we're not going to stand for this injustice. Meanwhile, the people that are doing that are always the most corrupt people. What happened with Joe Arpaio? Corrupt, right? Had to leave office. Corrupt. You think these guys in Texas? Corrupt. That's what they do. They want to punish other people because being a sadistic ruler helps consolidate your power. That's what what Putin is about, right? Putin is holding on to power right now because nobody, anybody who speaks up against him gets poisoned or thrown out of a window or thrown in jail, tortured (laughs) on live TV, you know, and Putin met, I mean, Putin met with Biden and some people are happy about that. And some people are like, you just legitimize the guy and his terrorism on the world stage. I fall into the latter group. You know, I don't see this as 3D chess. Like, I think he should be cut off, you know, but that's just me. Yeah. And I I think, too, one thing that frustrates me, you know, even though it's good to acknowledge Juneteenth and what happened, we're kind of skipping some steps, aren't we? I mean, there's active uh, anti-voting legislation going into effect right now. I mean, it's kind of like getting a coffee cup and calling it a promotion. I mean, yeah, good that it's, you know, acknowledged, but we do need some voter protection to actually give it some meaning. Absolutely. Yeah. We also need reparations. You need to pay those people for the work that they did. Pay the Americans that are just as much citizens as we are for building this country and being enslaved at the time and generations of discrimination. You should pay for that. If Jeff Bezos doesn't have to pay income tax, if Elon Musk doesn't have to pay income tax, then you can afford it, right? You can afford to give them billions off of their thing. Take that money and give it to people, you know, give it to the, the victims of the Tulsa massacre, of Rosewood, of all these other things that we've been discussing here every week. Yeah, you can have a holiday, but like pay the bill. The bill is due. They've done that in other countries. They've measures to do that in Australia and Canada and stuff. And we're catching up, but it's not the end of the discussion. You don't just put a thing on a calendar and it's a wonderful thing. I'm not taking anything away, but we need to pay reparations and nobody wants to hear that. I don't care if they don't want to hear it. There needs to be a check in the mail. Yeah, and, and one guy who celebrated a birthday over the weekend, gone far too soon, was Tupac Shakur. You know, and he was talking about the injustice that's been handed down to people of color throughout the history of this country, and that they're only going to get more frustrated the more that you delay actual justice. You know, so 
let's actually implement something that has real effects. You know, I mean, it, it's, it wasn't that long ago that Georgia passed a, a law that it was illegal to hand water to somebody. Doing the Christian thing was illegal for a state when it came to voting. Absolutely. And there'll be a lot more laws like that. That's what I'm talking about. There's laws on every state now that has a GOP governor or a sympathetic person in the county government or the state secretary of state. Anybody who has a Republican secretary of state is going to have some kind of recount, which they're doing on the Arizona recount. They've got the ballots in a cabin in Montana right now. People's private ballots from Arizona are sitting in a cabin. The only thing that should be sitting in the cabin in Montana is like, you know, that's where the Unabomber went, right? Like that's not where ballots from from Arizona should end up. And you mentioned Tupac, you know, we were the same age pretty much, you know, and Tupac was in Baltimore originally, lived in Baltimore and then obviously went to Oakland and that's where he came up. I met his mom, Afini Shakur, who was a Black Panther and a very like astute political activist. I met her at the VMAs with Biggie Smalls' mom, Violetta Wallace, and it was on the same event. And this was late 90s at Lincoln Center at VMAs. And they were coming together to kind of give out an award and stuff. And it was kind of a sensitive thing. And they handled, they let me handle it. And it was awesome to meet them. I love Tupac and Biggie. But um, yeah, speaking the truth. A lot of people have said that, you know, and a lot of people don't want to hear it because you want to think, well, that's the history. Why dredge it up? Because unless you acknowledge the past, you're doomed to repeat it. And that's what we're in now. We never really owned what we've done. We've never owned our original sin as a nation with enslaved people with Native Americans. Well, you got to make that stuff right. And we didn't. We put people on reservations. We put people in prisons. We put people at the back of the line in terms of economic growth and education. And we made it as hard as it it possibly could be to get ahead. And people prospered and got ahead anyway, but not enough people. But it's like we're always talking about, you know, the, the scared, mediocre white man wants to hold on to power. They want to like let Matt Gates go to Congress because his dad was the president of the Senate in Florida. Matt Gates, as I said before, you could tell that guy was a screw up in college. You know, he was getting his DWIs. He's not somebody who should have ended up a state senator and then a U.S. congressman. And it looks like next week he's going to get indicted. That that was the word today is that they're finally going to press charges against him which will be awesome. He'll be a sacrificial lamb in a way, you know, and it's probably Roger Stone who dropped a dime on him to begin with because it also distracts. Then that becomes the whole news cycle. Not that he doesn't deserve to be, but as I've discussed a lot, he's doing what Trump did, you know, for 20, 30 years in New York. You mentioned like Republican uh, governors and secretaries of state trying to implement different things. There's an active case right now in Indiana where the people are suing the governor for the, uh, the additional benefits that they they just rejected. They didn't want to even have it handed out to the people. And having a dad who, you know, worked as a self-employed musician, that extra 300 bucks, you know, is beneficial to anybody that would need it. Again, the GOP is not about empathy in any uh, sort of way with the kind of policies they're implementing. Absolutely. And a lot of the Republican governors turned down the extra $300 check. You know, they turned it down in Texas too, because cruelty is the point. And they're mad that like people aren't showing up and working like low wage fast food jobs. That's the other thing. Like, how do we exploit everybody as capitalists if we don't have the fodder to keep our machine going? If we don't have people that are going to show up for $7 an hour and work a 10 hour shift behind a like 200 degree fry machine, handing out poison to a bunch of people for five bucks a pop. Because that's the other thing is the guys own those businesses. That's crap. 
You know, I know a lot of people have to eat fast food, but it kills you, you know, which is the other reason they don't want universal health care and stuff. People don't want that because, again, cruelty is the point. What do I care if this guy dies of a heart attack when he's 55 because he's been eating cheeseburgers and French fries? Because the big yeah. companies that feed all this, you're ranching, you know, as I got into last week with the Koch brothers. I mean, that stuff's inhumane. McDonald's is inhumane. Burger King. These are terrible companies. I know people eat it. This is horrible shit. This is poison. It should be regulated like cigarettes. And the people who run these companies, they need people to work. And I worked at McDonald's when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. But like you gave people a little benefits and a year off and they're like, hey, maybe I don't have to go work at Hardee's, you know, maybe I don't have to take a bus to Jack in the Box, you know, and still not have enough money. But these Republican governors, they want that cruelty. They don't want people getting a leg up. It's what I say with the Koch brothers, that whole libertarian Tea Party thing is designed to keep a constant influx of workers. That's how capitalism works at a big industrial level. That's what the Industrial Revolution was like, you know, the Carnegie's and all these dudes, you know, the Rockefellers, Mm -hmm. these guys own factories that used up humans and kicked them back out. You know, and you'd work for the company store and you'd get a voucher and you'd buy your kids some shoes with a voucher and you'd live in a little shack on the property that the company owned. And you couldn't quit and you couldn't get ahead. All you could really do is get up and go to work every day. And when you died a black lung when you were 40, your son was now 18 and he would take your spot. Meanwhile, the guy who owns the place buys a couple libraries and names them after himself and feels like he's a big time philanthropist. They're making that fortunes off the backs of the workers, you know, and that's and that's why do you think they talk about socialism so much? You know, they're not really against socialism. These guys sit on golf courses, right? Only 12% of the golf courses in this country use recycled water. Okay. The rest of the golf courses use municipal water systems. They use potable water that the city or towns they're in provides. Mm-hmm. That's socialism. That comes from tax dollars. That's who put those pipes in there, right? You're using it to water those greens that you're driving around in your golf cart talking about anti-socialism stuff. Trump's family built their whole fortune off of FHA loans. His dad literally built all those buildings because he was getting no interest loans from the government as part of the New Deal. He was building homes for returning GIs after World War II. Socialism. The GI Bill, mm-hmm. socialism, the thing that got you a house in the suburbs that got you to the point that now you got a Ford F-150 and some welding skills or whatever <laughs> it is you do, socialism. Somebody got a leg up here because of being born in this country. But as again, you know, you can give these taglines and people buy it. They buy it because they're dumb, you know, and I don't mean it to insult you. It's just they haven't had a chance to see reality. And Fox News is giving Putin talking points. Putin literally just backed up Sean Hannity's claims yesterday on state TV in Russia. You know, like, he's like, it's working. You know, what I'm saying is working. (laughs) Well, and it's uh, like you said, man, it's only socialism if it helps support. You know, they trying to reverse the ACA this week. Thankfully, the Supreme Court was able to uphold it. You know, and the ACA isn't even socialized medicine. It's a pro-business deal. And and there's no public option available to a citizen of the United States right now. But, you know, the ACA is a protection. And that's why Obama put it in, because he said, you know, your your job's not coming back. So I'm going to make sure that you can get access to quality health care and get training for that job of the future. It was it was paving a road for the future of America. 
Yeah, and the other irony is like it got struck down in this latest case. I mean, three times I think they've tried to take it down in the Trump era, but you know, it got struck down the other day because they'd already taken away the penalty. You know, and the Republicans signed off. So now it's a zero dollar. There used to be a penalty, like if you didn't join, you'd get this big tax penalty. They already got rid of that penalty. So their whole case this time was that it hurts people because of the penalty. And there was no penalty. It's now zero. So they were able to be like, oh, no. And they struck it down. Thankfully, you know, that's very popular. ACA is popular. It gives people health insurance. It's just it's insane. You know, it's just more of the same. So what do you want to talk about, Jimmy? There's all kinds of stuff happening all the time. The world is melting, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned um, like fast food. You got to think about the advertising that they that you see every day. You know, there's a reason why a Big Mac's only $4 and a, and a healthier option's like 12. You know, the less healthy option is the cheaper option because it, it also supplies, it keeps people sick, you know? So the treatments continue to flow. Like it's, it's like you said, it's a, it's a system that keeps people sick and keeps them un- unhealthy. Absolutely. And, and it keeps yeah. big business propping it up, you know, and it's cheap and it's addictive, you know, it's salt and fat. Your body craves it when you eat it. And it's okay as a treat every once in a while, but it's horrific for the environment. It's horrible for your body. It gives you diabetes. There's enough sugar in, in, in just one of the sodas that they give you at those things. But you're right. It's expensive to eat healthy. You know, it's super expensive. So, and that's something, you know, we got to address. You know, Reagan came in and said ketchup was a vegetable. You know, he cut the school lunch program. You know, it's, and kids are going hungry in this country. You know, that that breaks my heart. You want to talk about celebrities like Springsteen would always make sure that we had like a local food bank was able to collect money at his concerts. And that was one of my responsibilities is that before the concert, I would go out and meet whoever because he he would switch it up. So it'd be City Harvest or somebody else. You know, he spread it around. So everybody got a shot to make some money. And so when we did these shows at the garden, I would meet the, you know, the reps from these charities and they'd set up a table in the hallways of the garden, you know, so when 30,000 people stream in, you know, they put a buck or two in the, in the buckets and they'd make some good money. And uh, I always loved that, you know, that yeah. he cared enough to, uh, to, to feed people in a way, you know, cause people are going hungry. It's summertime now, you know, kids are good. Kids are without a meal. You know, if you eat on the school lunch program, you're going hungry in the summertime. And there's people trying to address that stuff, but not the Republicans. Mm-hmm. The Republicans are trying to, in Missouri today, they just signed a law saying that any police departments that tried to enforce federal gun laws would be blocked and brought up on charges, right? They can't do that. I know it's going to be challenged <laughs> in the courts, but they're trying, you know, that's the insanity of it. Why not feed the hungry children in your state? You know, there's a lot of them in Missouri. You know, Missouri is one of those bellwether states. It sort of has all the problems that you have on a national level. You know, it has corrupt politicians, you know, like we just talked about the worst of the cynical, you know, Josh Hawley is as elitist little punk as you're going to get. You know, and he <laughs> pretends like he's taken on big government on behalf of the good folks in the Ozarks, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. He's not, he's a scammer. And, uh, but that in we saw the Mikulskis or whatever, you know, that couple that pulled the gun on the Black Lives Matter people that right. be watching marching by that St. Louis. And that guy's running for like Senate now. He's <laughs> they just had to turn in their guns. The judge just ordered this week. They have to turn in their guns and have them melted down 
and pay a fine. But the guy's running for Senate or something, some political higher office, you know, because he got famous. That's the thing now. You, you, you know, you, he achieved my pillow guy status, right? <laughs> the other thing that Trump offered is he let other people bask in his celebrity because his celebrity was enough. You know, a lot of those people were going to Trump rallies just because like that was a famous person they were seeing in real life. It's like, look, there's the guy from the TV. Bring the kids. Oh, my God. He's right there in front of us. And, and yeah. Trump knew that. He knew they were showing up to sort of bask in the celebrity. That's why the lights were up high. You know, that's why he did interact with them as best he could. You know, he'd shake the hands and wave at them. He knew that that sells. He's always known that. He's got a P.T. Barnum element to him. It's yeah. all about that huckster self-promotion. So anybody in his orbit got to bask in that too. So the Mikulskis or whatever their names are, got to see the MGTs and the Lauren Boberts, you know, and all these other folks. There was a Navy SEAL that he pardoned, that Trump pardoned, right? This guy was like his own Navy SEALs hated this guy because he was such a sadistic killer. I don't remember his name, but there was a big case a couple of years ago and Trump pardoned him, if you remember, right before Christmas, and then invited him to Mar-a-Lago at Christmas. Trump was making a celebrity out of this guy who was basically a serial killer. You know, he, he was unfit to serve and a disgrace to the uniform and murdered a girl, like an Iraqi girl. You know, he was a horrible human being. Trump brought him to Mar-a-Lago and made him a celebrity. Trump knows what he's doing with that kind of stuff. First of all, it's a sadistic guy. So Trump gets into that and then he owns them. You know what I mean? He creates these soldiers in these politicians. And you started the show talking about Mike Pence. Mike got that. Mike isn't a dumb guy. You know what I mean? He's a corrupt guy without any morals, but he's not stupid. He knew he couldn't go up against Trumpism. He knew it would be too much. That's why he didn't say a word about them coming after him. Pence could have gone after Trump at any point in the last four years. If anybody could have like pulled a Brutus move and stabbed Trump in the back, it was Pence. He could have been like, I've seen this guy, folks. He is snorting Adderall. Like he is on drugs. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. The guy doesn't even show up to the you know Oval Office until noon. He's sitting up there watching Fox News all morning. He doesn't even understand like basic fundamentals of government. Pence could have literally taken that guy out at any point, and he could have pulled together some conspirators, but he didn't do it. He didn't dare do it because he realized that the power that Trump wielded that ties in with this celebrity was so big, it was already too late. You know, having been a former Hoosier under his reign here as governor of uh, the state, you know, his priorities were about the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, you know, which that was the challenge of, you know, if somebody has some kind of religious tradition where they don't, if they ask uh, a bakery to make a cake for a gay couple, you know, they're able to deny that business. You know, that that's where our priorities are in, in the Hoosier state for at least during Pence's time. And it's been a continuation under Holcomb. But, you know, I mean, that's, that shows you where the GOP is. It's about uh, legislating hate, you know, we saw in Florida uh, a couple weeks ago with DeSantis and the, uh, you know, anti-trans legislation that he signed. It's, yeah. it's everywhere. Anti-trans, anti, you know, LGBTQ, because bigotry, homophobia, racism, that sells to the base and it sells to mm -hmm. the white Christian Southern base really well. You know, because that Christian ideology makes you feel like you're above it. Guess what? Christians owned enslaved people. You know, mm -hmm. all those people that own slave consider themselves Christians, too. Like, all in the name of God. Right. You're owning a human being. 
you think or you think you're owning a human being. You can't really own a human being. You could just break a huge law and own and trade enslaved people. You never really owned them. You know, you just tortured them. You just committed a huge crime that should be set right. And it's not just a holiday, as I said before. There should be reparations paid. We should take a hard look at what this country does. Go look at the prisons. Look at what the people look like in there. They're mostly people of color. They're mostly poor white people. They're people that went through trauma. They're people that went through abuse. They come from broken homes and addiction and stuff. And I come from that. You know, I had it out. I had a family that was still together and like parts of my family were very all, they were all very well educated. You know, even my mom who fell into drugs and had to go to prison, you know, but she was a white woman. She went to prison for five years or something or less, you know, went to a nice prison because she'd never committed a crime and got out and got sober and went on with her life. Okay. But a lot of people don't get that chance. And when my mom was going to prison and I was a little kid, I remember visiting her in the Baltimore city jail right? For Christmas once when she was on her way to prison and all the, all the other kids in there weren't white. You know what I mean? And I was like, these kids are screwed. I, I knew instinctually that like, though I had a tough road ahead, these kids had an impossible road ahead because we don't have any support system for that. And when, when that happened to my mom, it was somewhat of an anomaly. Now it's commonplace, not commonplace, but now it, the numbers are hugely expanded in terms of mothers that are locked up in prison with children on the outside because of the drug laws, because of the war on drugs, because of poverty. Like it's a, it's an issue we don't want to talk about in this country because people are ashamed of it, you know, and I get that, but you have to, these are human beings. You know, you were talking about yoga, like, you know, where you need yoga prisons, you know, you know, where you need pets and therapy animals prisons, right? We have Shelters full of cats and dogs that don't have homes that nobody loves in this country. What better place? Put them in those prisons. Let those people heal. Let them love and take care of something. Obviously, you get psycho killers like not everybody, you know, but I have a feeling the prisoners would police themselves in that regard, you know, because they'd be happy to have the dogs and, you know, the cats and stuff. And like they saw somebody mistreating their animals. It would have to be supervised and certainly some people you just always want in prison. Like there's always going to be like, you know, Jeffrey Dahmers and like Jack the Rippers and like insane people, but people that just never got a fair shot, you know, and got addicted to drugs. I'm not excusing their crimes, but you don't, you don't torture people and expect it to be better, you know, and that's become the policy. You get these private prisons, they crop up in these Republican states, you know, the state government is all for them because it brings jobs to the community and they get to say, hey, I brought 1100 jobs to, you know, Fayetteville, you know, elect <laughs> me as governor, you know, but the job is just warehousing poor people and people of color, turning them into gladiators and letting them get tortured in prison, letting them do as many drugs as they did on the outside in prison. It, some people get sober in prison, but it's hard to do. You need to treat this stuff. You need to treat PTSD. You need to treat trauma. You don't, because we're, we're all in this together. They're alive. We're here at the same time. Ella Fitzgerald, you know, one of my favorite singers ever, you know, was just confronted with tons of racism. And there's a great documentary on it, her at PBS. I watched it again last night. Who's another, the other guy, uh, Tony Bennett, who I've worked with too. Tony Bennett's a great guy. Another show yeah. I'll tell you about Tony Bennett, but Tony really? Bennett saw all the racism that Ella had to deal with, you know, and I think one time Ella said, we're here at the same time. You know, that was her answer for all this injustice and how African-Americans were getting treated in this country. 
It's like, we're all here. You don't think God put us all here like to be brothers and sisters? Do you know what I mean? Do you think the higher plan is really for us to all be like hating each other and trying to get a leg up on each other all the time and lock each other up, you know, and think that other person is the enemy? It's such a base, unevolved, stupid waste of this very precious little bit of time we have on earth. Life must feel long, but it ain't that long. You know, Jimmy, it's Father's Day on Sunday. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Is I it do. First, first Sunday without your father? Second one. Second. Okay. Uh, you know? yeah. so. And he's proud of you, but you know, it doesn't last forever, right? It's a little, it's a blink of an eye, even if you live a long time, if you look at the length of the world, you know, I got a tree outside my window that's been here since 1850 or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that tree was planted when Lincoln was president. All right. There's probably <laughs> a lot of people come and gone since then. It was even before Lincoln was president. But my point is why waste time? being against another human being? Why waste time trying to fight another human being when you can be helping them? That's all those teachings are like, turn the other cheek, right? There's all these Christians you talk about, mm-hmm. where's turn the other cheek? You're lock up the key, build a wall, shoot them, shoot on sight. You know, what's the stand your ground? Right. You know, how about turn the other cheek, Christian Southern white male <laughs> woman? What are you so scared of? How am I going to use my AR-15 if I turn the other cheek? You exactly. Know? You know, and that's, that <laughs> resentment is a sickness. You know, that's right. what it is. It's a sickness. It's fear, you know, and, and that we have to address that. We have to address it as a nation. We should probably wait till another episode, but like the Sackler family did more damage to this country, you know, than, than any terrorist, you know, the opioid like All right, epidemic yeah. in this country, Sackler's own Purdue Pharma that made Oxycontin, you know, like. That stuff flooded this country in the 90s when it came out. 2000s, it ravaged. It filled up those prisons, right? But those are, you know, white corporate Americans. And yeah, they had to go bankrupt, but all their assets were protected. A judge in White Plains just continued to protect their assets. They got away with it. And then they get to put their name on the side of the buildings. You know, they got the name on the Guggenheim, which is next to my place in the city. You know, like they took it off now, I think, but like they got the Sackler wing. That's the thing. You could do horrible things to people, but like it, the people that own those companies put their names on a museum or something and it's somehow excused. Charles Koch was a big donor to museums and stuff. You know, no, let's think about what you're doing. You know, the Koch brothers were poisoning the land, air and water of this country. They still are. You know, they were using people as human fodder. You know, they had market-based management, which basically was like, if a pipeline breaks, it costs more money to stop and fix the oil leak than it does to just take our chances and keep the oil running. You know, but when it leaks, it floods a thousand acres and kills all kinds of wildlife and poisons our earth. They didn't care. It's about a buck. Same thing with the people that owned Purdue Pharma, the Sackler family. They knew. They knew it was poisonous and killing people, but it was big business. And when you make big business, you get big friends, right? You get your Joe Mansions, you know, you own McDonald's, you get to buy politicians. So they don't talk about like, hey, maybe we should study this crap that we're feeding everybody. You know, maybe we shouldn't make it look good to kids and have cartoon characters selling it. You know, and I grew up in the 70s where like you lived on that stuff. You know, all we ate was like chemicals. I don't even think I had a glass of water until the 90s. You know, everybody <laughs> hydrates now. There was no hydrating in the 70s. You drank Kool-Aid. You drank shit that was purple and green. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. soda. But like, you know, it wasn't good for you. But, and it still isn't, you know, but it, 
we know better now is my point, you know, and you got to look at like all these big companies and all these people selling poison and, and you got to look at the, uh, the society underneath that's propping it up and who are the victims of this? You got you know, nobody wants to look at prisons. Nobody wants to be compassionate towards prisoners. Well, and at the end of the day, it's, it's who profits from the suffering, you know, like the privatization of prisons. That's been a huge problem. And you think it's not a coincidence that Trump brought in Kim Kardashian, of all people, to, to head up the prison reform thing? She's a celebrity. You know, she's, she's famous based on a sex tape, you know, for better or for worse, that's how she got her fame. So Trump's going to latch on to the same kind of fame that launched him because he has a reality TV base that feeds on that stuff. Exactly. And look, now her stepmom is running for governor in, in, in California and will eat up all the airtime on Fox News. How much has Caitlyn Jenner already been on Fox News? They're going to lap that up, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, she's crazy. <laughs> I'm all yeah. for the fact that I was singing her praises when she transitioned. I think that's a wonderful, brave thing to do. And it'll be a big step forward. In many ways, it is a step forward because it shows you like everyone's equal. Even trans people can com- be complete lunatics, <laughs> you know, nothing to do with their transition. She's just an asshole, right? She's just a greedy, rich, out of touch person who wants to now take advantage on that Trump plan. Hey, I'm mm-hmm. famous. Maybe the next step is real power. And, and people whisper in their ear. They don't always come up with this on their own. You know, it's their buddies that are like, hey, you should run for office. You know, you got this shine on you now because then they can do the favors for the constituents at home. You know, she was talking about her hangers. She goes, the guy in the hangar next to me said he was moving to Arizona because of all the homeless people in California. Like that's her her base. She's running on billionaires who don't want to look at homeless people. No, take care of the homeless people. You know, I live, I'm New York City based. You should see my city. It's falling apart. There's people sleeping out on the streets. Mm-hmm. There's food lines that are ridiculous. We got Maya Wiley running. That's who I'm supporting for mayor. You know, June 22nd is the uh, is the primary. I think that's this Tuesday. If I can, I haven't looked at the calendar. It is next. It is this Tuesday. The food fighters are playing Sunday night at the Garden. Next time, I'll tell you some food fighter stories. The, my point is, you have to, like we've said before on this show, we have to start approaching things holistically. We got to look at the things we don't want to look at. We got to start looking at people as human beings and not policy issues, not ugly things we think we can legislate away because we don't want to look at it because we're only as well off as as the worst least among us are. You know, how do you sit in a big, fancy $20 million apartment on Park Avenue when you know that somebody's sleeping on the street outside? I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of people do it, but it bugs me when I'm in those sort of positions and I am, you know, a lot. It bugs me, you know, and I try to be grateful for having the basics. And, you know, too many people don't have the basics. They don't have a decent shot at a happy life. And now we have this division that's been run down the middle of our country where it's us, them. That's why you see people riding on the highways, cutting everybody off, not just in their pickup trucks and their sports cars. What's the deal? Every car now has to sound like it's like the Blitzkrieg. (laughs) Like you're going to give somebody a heart attack with that noise. Where, where's the aggression? You know, what is this sense of like, hey, man, maybe I'm going to wake up everybody in this neighborhood with this freaking no muffler, cheap ass Mustang thing that I got. You know what I mean? And everyone does it now. I can't even imagine what it's like in Indiana. Well, it's all it's all about a power play. And I'll tell you a quick story about that, if you don't mind. The one of the first things I'll say about my life growing up, one of my reasons for success is my mom and dad. 
they're the only thing that's ever made sense to me, you know, and uh, it's a great story. My dad on Father's Day, when I was two years old, played golf. He's an avid golfer. And right around this time, the U.S. Open's actually being played right now. He played around on Father's Day and had a hole-in-one, uh, his only hole-in-one in his career playing golf, and it was on Father's Day. The point I'm making is not everybody's fortunate enough to grow up with two parents in the house. I was. You know, I grew up in a place north of Indianapolis. I, I talked about it with Mike Pence's new house. Like, you talk about guys being soft from Parsippany. Where I'm from, it, it's it's even more soft. Like, it, I grew up in a very good situation. and. Uh, I empathize with those that don't have that weren't steps ahead like I was because it's it's an uphill climb. Yeah, you got lucky. My dad, my parents divorced when I was three. My dad took off when I was three, you know, and I spent my childhood missing with missing him, living with a mom who had alcoholism and addiction and, you know, did her best to keep it over. My parents had me when I was nine. They were 19 years old. You know, my mom was still a kid when she was dealing with me men alone, no support from my father or anything. I would see my father, like I'd go spend a summer with him and he'd be living in a tent, you know, in Woodstock mm -hmm. and stuff. Like I had anything but a traditional childhood and I missed my father, you know, when I was a kid, I felt that longing until I didn't, you know, until I just didn't care. I haven't talked to 15, 10 years or something like that. I'm somebody who's never had like a father in any traditional sense, you know, or that sense of, I don't even know what it's like. You know, like when people are like Father's Day, I'm like, I don't even understand what that's like, you know, because I didn't have that. And a lot of kids I you grew up around didn't have it, you know, which is OK. You, you're lucky that you had that, you know, but, uh, yeah, you know, you can get by without it. I, obviously, I still had family and support and role models and things like that. But, you know, I never had a father around, but and I wanted one, you know, but uh, it doesn't work out that way for everybody, you know, and you don't need it. You just need to, you know, the world needs to be a, a, a fair place. You know, that that's, if you don't have those things, odds are you're in circumstances that you're going to see other people that don't have those things. And if you're lucky enough to escape those circumstances, which I did, you realize two things, a, that you were very lucky that it could have gone another way, you know, and it's not that everything is easy. I've still had a lot of issues in my life. I'm sober myself. You know, it's a, it takes a long time to work through pain and you fall into a lot of traps yourself when you come out of that. Things like alcoholism and addiction are hereditary. So, uh, you know, you can get into trouble, but if you make it out of there, you realize like you're one of the lucky ones, you know, and you realize a lot of people don't in the same circumstance, you know, or they just one bad decision and they don't have a dad. They don't have a mom to bail them out. They don't have a wealthy family. They don't have an education to fall back on, you know? That's how people fall into gangs and, and violence and drug addiction. And, you know, once you start getting arrested, you're going to probably stay on that track. That's the other thing, you know, with recidivism and all this kind of stuff. Once you start screwing up in life, it's really hard to stop screwing up. Just like once you're poor, it's really hard to not be poor because it's very expensive to be poor. You know, people don't talk about that. It costs a lot of money to be broke. You know, you get charged higher interest rates for everything. You cash your check you know, at a check cashing place, you know, Jared yep. Kushner, an article came out this week, you know, he, he's a slumlord and he owns all these like 
you know, slumlord is probably not a great term, but that's basically what he is. He owns all these low income apartment complexes on the East Coast. A lot of them are in Maryland. I lived in one of those places. I don't know if it was Kushner Company, but it was a similar type of thing. I'd come home from school in third grade and people would be evicted. All their stuff would be out in front of their apartments on the street. It happened all the time. I saw it all the time when I'd come home from school and you were praying it wouldn't be you when you got home that day, you know, that's how I grew up. You know, I would be taking the rent check to the, you know, office and stuff when my mom wasn't around, you know, it was harsh, right? So Kushner takes advantage of those people. And so does his dad and that's their business, right? But in one of the suits that came out today, this one particular like, you know, company, sub, you know, company that they own would require all the tenants to pay their rent at a Walmart or a check cash in place. They they had to show up in person to pay the rent. So the woman that was in this suit couldn't afford to take a day off from her job, you know, to go pay the rent on this apartment that had rats and mold and all this stuff that she couldn't even move into it. She signed the lease and then it showed up at the apartment and it was so messed up she couldn't even move in, though she continued to pay rent for months, right? And to pay the rent, she'd have to go in person and take time off of work. All that stuff costs you money. Wealthy middle-class people don't even realize that, how screwed you get when you're poor. Everything sort of costs more, you know, and we punish the poor. So that stuff's got to end. I think that's enough of an upbeat uh, episode for this week. (laughs) And uh, hope you stick with us. There's a couple of points in there. And it's always always real. There's no script in this thing. We just talk about what's on our, our minds. So that's pretty much it for the week out of me. You got anything else you want to say, Jimmy? I did put a podcast out this week, Kirby Crochel. She's, um, she works with the Crochel Entertainment Group. Uh, so if you're interested in my podcast, you can check it out at jbkonair.com. Well, there you go, jbkonair.com. And you can catch me on Twitter or on this podcast and in a city near you coming up in the fall. I'm going to be doing some in-person shows. So uh, get ready for that, everybody. I'll, I'll throw some jokes in there, I promise. <laughs> it's not all rants in person, <laughs> right? So come on out. I'll let you know more as the uh, as the months pass. But everybody, you know, start your summer. Let's, uh, you know, I don't think celebrating Juneteenth is the right way to, you know, you're not going to say happy Juneteenth. But, you know, let's celebrate the fact that we're starting to do the right thing and that it is a federal holiday. And for all those that it affects more personally, I hope they have a blessed day tomorrow and i hope they enjoy it all with their family and save me a plate because i'm coming to the barbecue if you let me you know who you are that's a message for one of our listeners all right episode 16 noel castler podcast see y'all